0: What's this week's sports on on Salford City Radio? I'm Rob Paxton, uh, and I'm here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got James Sweetenham. James, uh, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond this week.
1: Yeah, uh, and by beyond, I think you mean Paris, because Liverpool failed (laughs) in their bid at winning the Champions League. And we're going to analyse every second of that incredible match.
0: Yeah, we've got the uh, European Cup Champions League. We've got the final day of the Premier League to talk about. It's going to be fantastic. We'll start with the the football, James. We'll start uh, with Man City last week winning the Premier League title. A 3-2 win against Aston Villa. Three goals in five minutes seals it for Pep Guardiola's
1: men. Yeah, I mean, they had a bit of a a catastrophe near, didn't they? Mm. But luckily for Manchester City, they managed to turn it around. They managed to secure the Premier League. And granted, Liverpool have have made the final of the Champions League and Michael Owen has claimed that Liverpool are still the best team on the planet. And we'll we'll probably get to that in a little bit. Mm. But over the course of a 38-game season, it really separates the men from the boys. And there's no denying, at least in England, that Manchester City were the best team throughout the course of the season. Yeah.
0: Two goals by uh, Gundogan. Uh, comes on as sub-James and turns the game. That that moment like that shows why Pep Guardiola is a top, top manager.
1: Yeah, I mean, Guardiola, granted, he hasn't found that European success yet for Manchester City, but in the league, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's got such an amazing tactical awareness of the game. He knows how to find goals when he needs them. And I think uh, Gundogan was, was fantastic as well. What I will say, going into next year, they're going to be even more dominant because Haaland's coming up over to the Premier League, isn't he? And I bet you're excited to see him in the midfield role.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting that Manchester Manchester City managed to to capture him. I think he's a fantastic uh, goal scorer uh, for Dortmund. He'll certainly add a lot to to Man City's team. Obviously, a lot of people talked about uh, Kane coming in, uh, Harry Kane coming in from Tottenham, but obviously Pep Guardiola and and the top management of Man City waited the moment uh, and brought him in. Uh, Younger than Kane, you know more potential than Kane. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him.
1: Yeah, it's going to be. I think he's a tremendous player. He's obviously torn up uh, his own his own league, hasn't he? And you do get the sort of feeling that he's only going to get better, don't you? Hmm. Granted, he has had some injury problems along the way, but he's really taken the Bundesliga by storm. He's scored a ridiculous amount of goals. He's got a natural eye for goal, blistering pace, and I see him as potentially being a man in three, four, five years that we're arguing could be the best player on the planet.
0: And that's the thing about Manchester City, James. They're able to pick up these top talents at the peak of the powers. And, and
1: that makes them a, a real danger going forward. It does. Uh, Manchester City, with the amount of money and they can seemingly do what they want. And uh, obviously, Liverpool have, have come on leaps and bounds in the last few years. And they've also taken advantage of the fact that Manchester United have completely crumbled. And we'll get on to their terrible <laughs> final game in a minute. Hmm. But it's going to get to a stage eventually in Manchester where they're unstoppable. Mm. And perhaps the only team that that can apply some pressure to that in a few years' time will be Newcastle. Mm. Because they're the only team that's going to have money, if not similar, actually more so. But for now, I mean, I I spoke to a lot of Liverpool fans after the game, and one of their main concerns is that if they were ever going to do the quadruple, and of course we'll get on to their game. But this was the opportunity. The amount of money that City have got in, it's going to be impossible to to tame them for much longer. Their reign of terror is going to begin, and I think it's going to begin very soon.
0: Well, I, I, th- I think with football, James, not necessarily the, the the club with the most money becomes the most successful. Don't forget, it's took a while for Man City to, to reach uh, this point. Pep Guardiola being the best coach in the world at the helm is a big factor in that. And obviously, if Pep Guardiola decides that He's had his uh, moment at Man City and decides to move on. That's when possibly the wheels might turn, might come off. But at this moment in time, Man City fans will be celebrating the fact that they've got the best coach in the world, they've got the best team in the world, and they're backed by the owners who have the most money in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're lucky for the time being, aren't they? Uh, the money coming in isn't going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. <sighs> It's difficult because obviously they're bringing in all these world-class players and that's not worked for Manchester United when they brought in the, the De Maria's and the Falcals and the Sanchez's of this world. Mm. It is work for Manchester City, but that's because they're not buying one or two or three of these type of players. They're buying 10, they're buying 15, and eventually it's going to have to work. So it does make them tough. But as we've seen Liverpool, who have a fraction of the money, they were two games away from winning a quadruple this season. So there are teams within the realms. Yeah. Well, I think with Liverpool, they have that kind of history,
0: don't they? And, you know, they, they also are backed by a, you know, by a, a sizable uh, amount of money. Um, and it is it is important to, to, to remember that these top teams all over Europe are sort of uh, owned by billionaires. So, you know, the money is there and you, all you've got to do is make sure that you have a coach who know what, what he's doing and players who you know how to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's within the management, isn't it, picking the correct players Uh, and not just picking the ones who are going to do the best shirt sales, picking the players who are genuinely going to make an impact because that's something that the Glazers get criticised for so regularly is just going for men who are going to bring in the most shirt sales. Mm. I believe that Guardiola has managed to get a better system going at Manchester City where they're selecting the right players. who fit his squad and fit his style of play.
0: Obviously, looking at the Man City sort of team, who do you think stood out this season for you?
1: The Manchester City team? Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of fantastic players in that team, but De Bruyne is sensational. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's the one I'd probably go for. What about yourself, Rob? I'm thinking
0: Bernardo Silva. He's been um, you know, fantastic. Rodri, um, Cancelo... You know the the surround they've got a whole team full of fantastic sort of players, uh, Phil Foden, you know, Mahrez, you know, they've got quality all over, James, and that and that is why they are where they are. I remember when, when United ruled the roost in the sort of the night, late 90s, early two thousands. We had you know a really good squad then, where you had internationals in the first team and also internationals in in reserve as well, and that's the kind of thing that Man City have at the moment. They've got the quality um, to to be able to move the team around, but still. have have that uh, ability to beat teams. And that's the important thing. And that's the thing where Pep Guardiola has to make sure that he keeps that quality up.
1: Yeah, he does. It's a conveyor belt, isn't it? You can't take a break. Hmm. You can't rest on your laurels. You've got to keep pumping out. You've got to keep pumping out these results. So that's all you can do for the time being. I think Manchester City are going to continue to fly. Uh, They're in a position right now where aside from Liverpool and, and possibly Chelsea, they have got pretty much free reign. Hmm. But if you switch over to the other Manchester side now, Manchester United, a pitiful final game against Crystal Palace. One on the previous show, I said it's a game that you might not even have them as favourites in, which is peculiar because Manchester United should always be favourites going into that game. But as predicted, they failed to get the result. And what do you make of that? And then... Just Manchester United season as a whole. Yeah, disappointing result
0: away at Crystal Palace, lost one nil. Kind of sums up Man United season really. Didn't look like they were going to score. Didn't look creative. Uh, Crystal Palace wanted it more. Um, and you worry for, for, for the players that they they've got. Thankfully, it's the end of the season now, and, and you know obviously with a new uh, man in charge, it gives him a chance. He was there on. On uh, Saturday to, to watch the team and see how they function. I'm sure he'd be talking uh, to Ralph and, and getting his point of view on, on players and who are in the squad and where Manchester United needs to improve. But it is, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs that Manchester United are in this situation. Uh, it comes down to, to bad management at a higher level, in my opinion, bringing in players that don't fit the system, uh, switching coaches quite a lot in this pit last sort of five, six years since Ferguson's left. Uh, and it's kind of created a mishmash of players who can't play in a system or won't play in a system, uh, and ultimately has caused Man United's uh, demise. What about you, James?
1: The players don't want to play for the club, do they? No. That's pretty obvious. You've got your Cavani's, you've got your Paul Pogba's. Great, fantastic, skillful players. I mean, you don't get many better goal scorers than Cavani. You don't get many natural passes like Paul Pogba. Mm. But if they don't want to represent the club, then they're pretty worthless. Granted, they're going to do massive shirt sales and that's good for the club. And yes, they can have spectacular moments. But all in all, if that motivation isn't there, they're not the sort of players that are going to see the club forward. And that's the issue, because we keep buying these types of players. For me, Eric Ten Hag coming in, he needs to completely revamp the squad, get rid of those players, get rid of your Pogba's, your Cavani's, etc., and look to rebuild. And I don't care if he's bringing in random players from Ajax that I've never heard of or, or wherever. As long as they're going to do a job for the side. And as long as they're going to do that job for several seasons, that's what I want to see. However, he's going to get the backing to do that. I'm not entirely sure, because it doesn't really matter who's been the manager, whether we've had a league of Solskjaer, Ralph Rangnick going back further, Mourinho, Van Gaal, etc. They've never been backed. Now it's so pivotal. We're at a point here, of the worst Premier League season we've ever had. Do we want to get worse? Because that's very much possible because we've got worse throughout the season. If anything, we started a lot better. Mm. It's got to go horribly wrong if we don't make change. And how bad are the Glazers going to let this club go before they say enough's enough? Are they ever going to say that? Well... We need complete backing of Ten Hag, and that's the only way forward, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I think the the problem is Man United are a massive cash cow, aren't they? And I think regardless whether Man United finish first or whether they finish 11th, the, the, the money... Side of the club will turn the wheels will generate uh, money for the Glazers, and I don't think their you know interest is in winning stuff really. They, they'd like to finish in the Champions League uh, in the top three or top four, so they do get that guaranteed Champions League money. Uh, but I don't think they're willing to invest in a mass in a, in the squad enough to challenge the likes of Man City and Liverpool. I know that's controversial. Um, I do worry that um, a hen tag might, uh, you know, suffer the same consequences as the likes of Jose Mourinho. The interesting uh, thing for me, though, James, is the media reports kind of uh, highlight the fact he's demanded certain things from the club before he signed on so what were them things that he demanded can the club deliver on that because i'm sure if the club don't deliver he'll just go he'll just walk away because he knows that this man united job is a big job yeah he was part of the an ajax uh, revolution uh, and he and he built that team back to it being stronger again but Manchester united is a different kettle of fish and it's a big challenge for him and the board
1: i mean something i am happy with rob is that Eric Hag was in a very comfortable job. He'd done fantastically with Ajax. Three domestic league titles, two Dutch Cups, I think. And he'd also had that incredible run to the semi finals a few years ago where he beat Real Madrid and Juventus en route. So, in the decision to move to Manchester United, you know he's a goal chaser. Mm-hmm. You know he's somebody that doesn't rest on his laurels. You know that he's somebody who loves to leave a legacy. And that's what he's going to do. Yes, he knows the challenge ahead of him at Manchester United he knows how poorly these other managers have done or how poorly how poor a chance they've actually had to get the job done, but he still believes he's up for the task, and that says a lot about him. Some of the Manchester United players have questioned his minerals they're the noises we're hearing out of old Trafford that they're not sure he'll be able to command the uh, the respect of the players. I think he will. I think he's a born winner, and I think he's somebody who can turn this club round if he gets the back in
0: mm. Well, I think the positive thing, James, is he's asked for the players to come in early and to pre-season so we can implement his standards and the way he wants to play, which is a good thing because, obviously, it gives the players opportunity to settle into that process. I think the thing with Ralph Randrick was um, it showed he, he wanted to play a certain way and for a small amount of time, the players were able to do that. But physically and mentally, they were able to co- continue to play that system. But in pre-season gives you a chance to build your fitness uh, and build uh, your understanding of a system you want to play. So these players might be able to uh, sort of play in a better system and play better in it. Um, We'll have to wait and see, I suppose.
1: So we can do, isn't it, Rob? I mean, we'll we'll begin to get a bit of an idea uh, during the pre-season matches. But again, there's always that thing, isn't there? New manager coming in and they'll play well for a month. I mean, they even did that under Ralph Rangnick. I think it's 13 games or so. We've just won, lost something in and around that. Eric Ten Hag, there could be a similar thing. So we'll only know how good he is come about Christmas time. Mm. That's when we'll start to realise if he's up for the task or not. If he isn't, I don't know who is. No. Because we might be in a position where nobody can do this job. And that would be terrible. Because this global fan base that Manchester United have, yes, we have it for now but will it carry on to the next generation if we continue to crumble? It's a question that James, because obviously you know we're looking at the, the teams
0: who are successful now. You've got Liverpool, who are you know a giants of European football, and you know their success in the kind of seventies and the eighties, um, sort of sort of built a big sort of following, uh, which kind of carried on through sort of the nineties and the 2000s and 2010 Now they're successful again, so you're probably going to see another uh, rebirth of Liverpool fans uh, in and around the world because Liverpool will be dominant, but like for man city domestically you know we always talk about manchester being red and uh, man city not having much of a presence but if they are con- going to continue to win League titles and 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 win that European Champions League. Who knows what might happen? That might swing in City's direction. The you know the population of Manchester might turn blue. It might take uh, you know a couple of decades to get there, uh, but you never know. But I think I think the, the difference between when Man United was successful in the sort of the late sixties, seventies, and the eighties, it was cheaper to get into matches. Uh, it was more of a sort of working man's uh, sport. So people would just go on a, on a shoestring string a budget and watch a match uh, and that is how uh, sort of Man United got their identity because people were able to watch the the game, Man United recorded the highest uh, crowd uh, numbers during that period because they had one of the biggest stadiums in, in the country at the time and it, and it kind of like comes sort off the rebirth, Man United comes off the back of that, Man City in my opinion will struggle because obviously football is a different kettle of fish now, uh, it's much more expensive to get to the match so people aren't necessarily willing to hand over that £50 every week to go and watch the match. And that, that might cause them to struggle to build their support in years to come.
1: Yeah, it might do. I mean, people often take the mick out of Manchester City, don't they, for their ticket prices that mm. sometimes they are a little bit less than the other sides, despite the fact that, you know, they fail to sell out these stadiums. But that could end up playing in their advantage. Because slowly but surely, look, if we're going to honest, in football, there is a large wave of glory support. Yeah. And the more glory you get, the more support you attract. People want to go and watch you. With the tickets not being that expensive right now for Manchester City, I think they will attract a new wave of fans. Hmm.
0: But how's that going to fly? Is it going to be a short-term 12, 12 months, 18 months, two years' time? Or are we going to be talking 10, 15, 20 years down the line? Because I was thinking the likes of Chelsea, who were very successful in Canada, uh, let's call it the early two thousand mid twenty tens. Um, you know, with uh, Abranovich coming in, who, who who was incidentally selling the club uh, shortly. Um, they kind of had a very successful team, and it took them a few years to to be able to sort of build their attendances up and build that history, like Sir Drogba and uh, John Terry and Frank Lampard. You know, legends of their. Club are now sort of 10 years in the past. And do you think it's going to take that long before Man City get that second wave?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, and it also depends on how well Manchester United do. If they rise from the ashes like a Phoenix now, hmm. I don't think Manchester City will take over Manchester United from that perspective. I think Manchester United will remain the big guns of global football in terms of the support that Irish fan base, that Asian fan base, that American fan base that they've got. <sighs> But if they do crumble, if they do fall by the wayside, and they fail to recapture their brilliant best, I think you're about a decade away or so from Manchester City becoming the bigger club in terms of global fanfare.
0: Hmm. Which is would be interesting, obviously, with, with everything that, that's sort of going on. And sort of Pep Guardiola, he's uh, on four Premier League titles now, Alex Ferguson, 13. Uh, I know there's always sort of rumours about how long Pep will stay at Manchester City. Um but he's got sort of ten years and he's probably catches Fergie. Do you think that's a, a feasible um sort of prediction that Pep Guardiola will eventually um take Fergie's crown?
1: I mean it's a big ask, isn't it? Mm. If you want to be truthful, because you, you need to win what, another nine? Yeah. And you've got to take into account that you've still got Liverpool in there, you've still got Chelsea Newcastle I got probably within about five six years'll be creeping up there as well, so I don't think he wins them, and I don't think he'd even be at the club long enough to win them. I think he's got another year or two at maximum probably mm.
0: and that's the thing with man city that's the their problem then because if he decides he's done as much as he can at man city and wants a f- Lots of challenge somewhere else. It's hard enough for Manchester United to find a manager. Um, will it be even more difficult for City with the pressure on on them?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know who they go for, but uh, City have seemingly been able to find and get whoever they've wanted, haven't they? Hmm. In terms of players, other than the, the Messi deal, which is the significant one that they didn't manage to get over the line, they get everything, don't they? Hmm. So I don't think they'd struggle to find another manager. But while we're on the topic of managers, Rob, last night, well, last night for us, it'll be obviously on a Saturday for when you're watching this now, but two managerial masterminds, Jurgen Klopp, mm. Carlo Ancelotti went to war in the European Cup final, the Champions League in Paris. The game slightly delayed due to some havoc outside the stadium, but when the two teams got it on, it was an absolute classic. Liverpool looking fantastic in the early stages, putting the pressure on. And there was no doubt that they were the better team, but a Vanisca's goal put them in dampened spirits. And then as they try to claw their way back into the game, the heroics of Core caught- I would be beyond belief! It felt like nothing was going to beat him, and ultimately, Real Madrid are the champions of Europe once again. And Liverpool go home with the tail between the legs with a double that doesn't particularly capture the imagination. But first things first, Rob. What did you make of the game? Great game.
0: I thought both sides, you know, showed what what they could do at the you know the very top level. Uh, Liverpool, you know, with all their attacking talent, um, like you said, controlled the the game for, for large parts of it but for me real madrid showed you know what talent they have in that 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 team uh, you know it was it was a masterclass of counter attacking football and when they got the noses in front how to control a game uh, and that is why they are real madrid they're able to to sort of see out matches uh, james and that's why ultimately they end up kings of europe because They've had a bit of a, a run to the to the European Cup final where they've not had it all their own well and way and they've, they've had a, a few tough moments and they've had to kind of grind results out And that. And that is, you know, that is what champions do. It's not always five and six nil no wins that, that gets you the trophy. It's their one nilers
1: that, that see you over the line. It is. I mean, it doesn't matter how you get there, Rob, does it? As long as you get there. And Michael Owen uh, in in the post-match analysis said that he still believes that Liverpool are the real champions of Europe. But they're not. They're not Mm. at all. Real Madrid are the champions of Europe because they found a way to get the win. And as much as Liverpool played brilliantly in that first half, I mean, they were exceptional, weren't they? They were all over Real Madrid. They should have scored on a few occasions. Mm. And without the heroics of Courtois, they probably would have won the game. But like it all over it, Michael Owen, they didn't.
0: Yeah. And I think, obviously, they talk about Courtois. You know, fantastic saves. He comes out in the media after it and starts saying how oh, we don't think he got the respect he deserved in England. And I think, do you think that's right? I thought, I thought that Courtois was one of the best goalies in the Premier League when he was there. Uh, but it seemed like he didn't think so. He didn't think that the media kind of respected him enough.
1: Well, it's him and I suppose the media in general don't respect goalkeepers, do they? Hmm. I mean, when do you hear of a goalkeeper being linked to Ballon d'Or? True. It's just unheard of, but he, there was no doubt that he was the best player last night. Hmm. He was exceptional and it's a shame that these men, I'm not necessarily saying, necessarily saying that Courtois should get the Ballon d'Or, but I think there needs to be more importance placed on goalkeepers, placed on defenders, because all the heroics get given to Ronaldo and Messi and Neymar and then even Modric in the midfield, but the back line and the keepers never really get a fair shake in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And that, and that's the problem you see. Um, likes of Benzema and Modric, they're the kind of headline grabbers, aren't they? Uh, but last night didn't really do kind of act that much, really. I know where uh, Victorius Junior Victorius was, you know, with the goal scorer. But were the, the big names in that in that Real Madrid squad, um, it was more the system and there's a tactical nouse of the players that won the game. It wasn't individuals uh, doing
1: individual stuff, apart from Quarta, who was uh, saving everything that moved. Yeah, I mean, it really did feel like he was unbeatable, didn't it? I mean, mm. Vinicius scoring that goal, what an amazing moment to him. And it's a testament to the power of self-belief, because when he first moved to Real Madrid, as one of the most highly touted young players in world football, mm. he failed to hit the ground running. But over the course of... Believing in himself over the course of a season, actually having changed his number to uh, what he'd previously had at his old club, the number 20, he found the mental strength to keep going. And now he's riding away in momentum, scored one of the biggest goals in the history of the club. And I suppose that's a testament to if you believe and if you keep cracking it on, you can get over these bad runs of form and return to your best and prove that you are just as good as people say you are.
0: Yeah. Uh, And obviously, that's a good thing. Obviously, mentality in sport is everything. But talking about sort of mentality and that winning mentality, uh, Carlo Ancelotti uh, is the first coach to win four Champions League, James. We uh, talked about top coaches uh, in in the world a few weeks ago, uh, and now he's got four Champions League titles. He's got to be in and about that.
1: He has. I don't even know if we mentioned Carlo no. Ancelotti the other day. So probably quite disrespectful on our sides because he's a brilliant manager. And mm. it's bizarre we obviously he obviously spent a couple of seasons in the Abyss, didn't he, with Everton and then in Italy. And now he's back, back to his best. And it's clear that he put the tactics together to beat Jurgen Klopp. And that's something that many managers struggle with, especially in knockout competition. It was the first time they've, they've lost in knockout competition, really. Of course, having won the League Cup and the FA Cup, so Carlo Ancelotti did something that no other team could do in three competitions. So incredibly impressive from him, and it just—it's a testament to how good a manager he is, Rob. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I think obviously to 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 win sort of the European Cup that many times it sh- it shows how good you really are and people talk about the Fergusons and 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 all the and Guardiola's and and the other sort of managers who have managed to to win the European Cup on on different occasions and you know he rightfully is in that in that in that kind of group of managers now and he's got opportunity to, to win you know a couple more during his his the rest of his
1: career. I mean, if he can carry on in the form that he's in right now, he's guaranteed to win another, isn't he? Mm. But where's Jürgen Clark going to go from here, Rob? Because a few games ago, they had an amazing opportunity to complete a quadruple, didn't they? And their hopes have been dashed in front of their very eyes. Manchester City securing the Premier League. Real Madrid beating them despite their impressive performance. They come away from the season with a League Cup and an FA Cup. Yes, impressive, but not what they would have wanted. Today in Liverpool, they're doing a parade. What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like? And do you think Liverpool will come away from this feeling like it was a successful season?
0: I think it's it's a one that got away in it, it. They were two games away from a, a quadruple to be the you know the arguably the greatest uh, team of all time. Uh, a quadruple would have would have definitely secured that. To end up with a domestic double, uh, where they haven't, didn't score in either cup final, won and both on penalties, kind of makes that thing is is are they as good as as You know, people think they are. Obviously, when the pressure is on, um, can they see themselves over the line? Yeah, domestically, they've got some fantastic players and, you know, they do tear teams apart. But it must be a worry for for, uh, Jurgen Klopp that when these pressure games come, they aren't able to
1: perform. Yeah, and something we said going into this final was that Liverpool actually were the mentally stronger. Hmm. Because... Manchester City crumbled in the face of Real Madrid when they nearly got that game over the line, whereas when Villarreal put the pressure on, Liverpool were able to rise and cross that hurdle. Mm. Did they simply just have the easier team to beat?
0: Looks like it. Looks like it, James. And, and obviously, you know, there'll be celebrations in Liverpool. I have no doubt about that. And, and I do feel that, you know, it was a massive moment for Uh, Jurgen Klopp, because if he had won a quadruple, then that would have been him above all, above the Shankly's, above uh, the Paisley's, above the Busby's, above the Brian Clough's, above the Alex Ferguson's. He would have been the man above them all, because they had never managed that. So, for him to now end up with a domestic double, yeah, still fantastic, still among an elite of managers who manage that, but was, like you said before, was this his one moment uh, to, to to leap into greatness and has he just
1: missed it? I think so. The opportunity to win a quadruple doesn't come around very often, Rob. No. I mean, can you remember the last time a team genuinely really threatened this, and Liverpool were two games away? Mm. If you're going to do it, this was the window. Mm. And it kind of comes down
0: to... to um, fit, sort of mental fitness and, and physical fitness that you know going back to the well again don't forget they've lost to man city in the premier league kind of sort of two times in the last day of the season so how many times will they be able to keep going uh, to that well and, and keep looking for the water um, and and not come up with it
1: i mean it gets more and more difficult doesn't it i mean look at manchester city in the champions league now hmm. it, it feels like they've just got a mental block from yeah. winning it
0: and that and that is a problem. And talking about problems as well, James, uh, Wrexham played Grimsby uh, in the National Conference League and they lost 5 4, uh, 119th minute winner. And uh, it, would, it was a dramatic uh, game. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, the Hollywood star, is kind of the owner at Wrexham and uh, he was there watching them. Uh, but that scoreline was proper Hollywood.
1: It is. It's the sort of game that you couldn't script, isn't it? The sort of game from films. But it happens occasionally, doesn't it, in football? Mm. That you have these unbelievable games, these unbelievable moments. I mean, one that stands out to me in, in that sort of similar scoreline was the 4 4 between Arsenal and, and Tottenham yeah. back in, I think, 2008 9, mm. or maybe 9 10. But that was a terrific game with so many goals, so many twists, so many turns. And I can't imagine what a game of that calibre was like for these fans.
0: Yeah, obviously, you know, Wrexham in the, the National League, you know, they've got time. Uh, as long as Reynolds uh, just continues to invest into that team, I don't think very long until they're, they're up in the, in the,
1: you know, the Football League at least. No, most certainly not. I think if they continue on their current trajectory, they'll be they'll be uh, hitting up the big boys pretty soon, Rob. But uh, something that perhaps to uh, conclude the uh, the football thought for this week, yeah, I had a look at an interesting article recently, uh, inspired by uh, the Kylian Mbappe recent contract clause at PSG, in which obviously he committed that U-turn, decided to stay in France based on the fact that he'd be able to select his own teammates. Handpick his own manager, all that sort of stuff. An interesting clause. So I've had a look at some ridiculous ones over the years, Rob, huh. and uh, I've got five for you here. Go and I thought you could just give me a quick, a quick look. So here's the first one for you. Yeah. Dennis Bergkamp had a no-fly clause put into his contract due to the fact that the scorer somehow was capable of walking out in front of thousands of fans without a care of the world and bagging goals non-stop. That wasn't a problem, but getting on a plane was. Hmm. Therefore he wouldn't fly to European away games he'd travel when necessary, and he forced the club to put a contract in his club so he wouldn't have to get on a plane I mean, what do you make of that rob
0: Well, that's a bit of a, a bit of a stinger obviously you're paying him thirty forty grand a week, and he says, "I can only play this week. I'm gonna play one game a week because I can't be bothered flying, especially you know in certain these situations where you know they fly everywhere, don't they play uh, teams
1: these days, so you don't end up sort of playing one time a week and getting still getting paid 40 grand a week. Yeah, and this is one that I think would be close to your hot road because I can imagine you taking one similar to this. Ronaldinho had a contract clause placed in his contract that he had to be allowed out to hit the town at least twice a week. And as a party animal like yourself, it's sort of the sort of thing that you'd request. Yes, it's in my contract at the uh, Sports the South City Radio, I've got at least
0: uh, two days' party in a week. Uh, and I fully, you know, I'm confident I'll
1: continue to exercise that uh, rule. <sighs> I mean, you've been exercising it non-stop for a few years, Rob. <laughs> but, <laughs> looking at the next one, we've got Luis Suarez, and of course, a man who likes to take chunks out of his opponents. He had a no-bite clause placed into his contract at Barcelona. Mm,
0: that was uh, liquids for for
1: Luis. Most certainly, and then Giuseppe Reina. This is interesting. Every season, he demand a new house built for him. Right, Lego. That'd be that'd be me. Lego. Uh... It'll cost you about a fiver. Money well spent. Money well spent. I mean, I'm not sure how much it would cost to build a whole entire house out of Lego, Rob. <laughs> uh, and I imagine you'd have to, to break the bank for this. But yeah. this is the most interesting one Spencer Prayer. Okay. So he was brought into Cardiff under Sam Herman, the old, uh, the eccentric manager, if yeah. you remember him. And he refused to sign the player unless he agreed to indulge in eating, and this is a delicacy in his country, a sheep's oh, yeah. testicle. So he wasn't able to sign for the club unless he agreed to do this. So ultimately, Pryor agreed. So he sprinkled it with salt, tucked in. Ultimately, he was relieved to find out that it was just chicken. But a pretty interesting one, and it goes to show how far people are willing to go to get to the club of their choosing. Everything tastes like chicken in that situation, James. It has to be said. Yeah, you've just got to you've got to believe in yourself, haven't you? But <laughs> now I think you and Rob, uh, you and Paul, sorry, are going to talk. Rugby
0: League. So before we, we go into the rugby, uh, we're joined by uh, Paul Whiteside from The Devil the Detail. Paul, just two reactions to the big news stories um, of the weekend. Uh, Ralph Ranrick has uh, decided to leave Manchester United and take up his uh, national coaching job full time at Austria. Uh, what do you make of that? Obviously, he was supposed to be doing a bit of consultancy at Manchester United, but uh, both parties decided he's uh, his best concentrating in Austria.
2: Yeah, a bit of a shock, really. Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting him to to be there next season, but I don't know. It makes you wonder whether something's gone in the background. I'm not. I'm not too sure there. And yeah, it's a, a bit of a surprise story, really. That
0: Rob. it is. It is Paul, and obviously, you know, we've we've been talked about, you know, uh, what he was going to do and help and help the new the coach, and now obviously all them plans are, are up in smoke, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they certainly are. So I'm sure the club will have something else uh, in line, won't they? For uh, you know, to, to replace him or, or whatever. But uh, got a new manager now who's coming as well, haven't you? And he seems to be making his mark already, doesn't he? And uh, you know, the the only way is up next season. Really, after a really disappointing season this year, particularly with the way the, the club finished it, you know, last week on the last day of the season, going out with a bit of a whimper, really, against Crystal Palace. So, uh, so yeah, I think they've got to start looking up now and. And I think uh, you know it's, it's about time some of the players you know stood up and were counted because he's um, it, been very very disappointing for them.
0: Yep. Final bit of uh, football news: Notts Forest promoted to the Premier League. They beat they won one nil against Huddersfield. Uh, won the biggest game in English football, getting promoted to the Premier League.
2: Yeah, it certainly is, and it's nice to see Nottingham Forest back. I think they're about twenty three years since they were in the in the in the top flight in English football, and they're one of the. Um, I think all the sides, all the English sides, who've won the Champions League, will all be in the Premier League next season, won't they? Because mm. uh, Forest are one of those sides that won the European Cup, as it was then. Aston Villa, I think Chelsea, United, and Liverpool, so they're all going to be in there next season. Um, and, and it's good, I think it's good to have Forrest back in there, Um, you know, in the East sort of Midland side, and, uh, you know, they have uh, fanatical supporters there, aren't they? And they've had a really good season. They probably weren't one of the, the teams I expected to get promoted at the start of last season, but, uh, you know, good luck to them. They were always a good side in the, in the league, and what a history there, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll make a good fist of
0: it. Yep. So let's talk rugby League now, Paul, and uh, the Challenge Cup final. Uh, Wigan, victorious, they beat Huddersfield, 16 points and 14. Talk us through it. Yeah, anyway, I,
2: I really enjoyed the match. Um, it was a good start from Huddersfield to the game, and uh, you know they got the noses in front. But for me, I, I think they're a bit conservative at times Ian Watson's side, and probably didn't post enough points in that first half. I know two will here missed. I think he missed four kicks throughout the game, and um, yeah, they, they went in leading at halftime. But for me, they needed a, a few more points, and you know the second half, you know credit them, they, they come back and, and went back in front there, and. Um, Wigan scored a cracking try, didn't they? Sort of five minutes from time to take the game away from but Huddersfield in that second half, they seemed content with the lead that they had. They kept turning the ball over and you know, at the other end of the field, but sort of not to say dying with the ball, but they weren't sort of very ambitious. They they sort of seemed like they wanted to hang on to the the slender lead that they had and that can be dangerous when you're playing against a side like Wigan who've got you know, match-winning players all over the park. Harry Smith came up with a cracking pinpoint kick and uh, Liam Marshall, who we know has got fantastic pace and finishing ability. He he scored the try that ultimately uh, won the game, but once he scored there, it was that close to the end of the game. There was no way back for Huddersfield. So, you had to feel for Ian Watson and, and Huddersfield Giants, who I thought gave a real, real good account of themselves. And Chris McQueen, who wants to lance Todd, I thought was excellent for them. And It was a shame to see Chris Hill go off injured uh, you know, uh, that stage of his career. And I know they're also missing T O fives as well. They, they, they seem to miss his, his leadership. So, Huddersfield unlucky. But uh, I think Wigan just about edged it. But it's a game that could have gone either way.
0: Yeah, Matty Pete. Uh... Wigan coach, first title for him. Uh, you know, he must be super excited. Obviously, a lot of people, even including myself, wrote him off at the beginning of the season saying that he wouldn't have the experience. But uh, to get this uh, Challenge Cup win under his belt, it's only going to be good for him.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and, and in the semi-final, they played really good, well against St. Helens, didn't they? He seemed to um, come up with a real good game plan, did Matty Pete? And, you know, we've heard him a couple of times, haven't we, when we've been covering Salford in the press conferences. And he speaks really well. He seems a very humble guy. And I think that, that win will give Wigan an awful lot of confidence now going forward in the Super League. And, you know, people who thought St. Helens were going to have it all their own way. You know, might have to think again now. There could be a real challenge from Wigan. You've got Catalan Dragons there as well. Uh, and one or two other sides who are sort of sniffing around the playoffs. I think it's going to be an exciting end to the season. I think Wigan could have a big say in that. So, um, they're a team to watch out for.
0: Yeah. Obviously, Ian Watson, ex for coach, defeated again in a Challenge Cup uh, semi-final. Must feel, you know, bathroom really, because obviously he's, he's taking his Huddersfield side to to the, uh, to went to, uh, the Challenge Cup final. And you know to to obviously suffer defeat again, uh, it's going to hurt. But I'm sure he's going to you know work on that, and hopefully next time he gets there, as long as we aren't playing against him, uh, yeah. wishing him best, all the best.
2: Yeah, he must do. That's three finals Ian Watson's been in now, and he's come pretty close in all of them. You know, the the Salford grand final against St. Helens wasn't a lot in that game, really. And uh, in the Challenge Cup in 2020, what lost by a drop goal, you know, in a real tight game against Leeds 17 16. And then in the final uh, at the weekend, he, he lost by a late try. So. Yeah, he's come really close hasn't he there and uh, you know credit to him he, he's not you know going in there with real fancied teams is he you know he, he's moulding his, his side there and uh, and yeah I'm sure Huddersfield will come again they've got some good players there they've got ambitious chairman haven't they and Ken Davy, and uh, a bit of money to spend as well so I'm sure Huddersfield you know you think about it what Ian Watson did at Salford he took us on a bit of a run didn't he in, the, in 2019 could he do the same again this season with Huddersfield who knows so um, so yeah wish him all the best Ian Watson he's, he's a good good coach and you don't become a bad coach overnight I'm sure he'll have plenty to say in the rest of his career
0: yeah uh, Wigan Captain Thomas Luluite was um, ruled out originally of the final but after you know some intense treatment made his way onto the field and paid, played a major part in the Warriors victory kind of shows how important he was to the team
2: yeah he's a very very experienced player Thomas Lulaway, and, and it just shows what uh, what a tough player is you know to come back from injury and, and get in the side for that because everybody thought he was, he was down and out so uh, yeah he's a massive influence for them in defence and attack and I think he just helped them helped them over the line there another player who impressed me was Liam Farrell I thought he's a fantastic leader on the pitch for Wigan and uh, you know he, he'll definitely be in and around that, that that England squad in the in the World Cup won't he and I think Jai Field Kay Cust all had big games didn't they Liam Marshall always pops up and gets those important tries doesn't he so uh, it was a, it was a, and a big shout out to former Salford players well he didn't play much for us but Ian Thornley played a bit of time at Salford and he got a real knock in that game and he was playing on one leg wasn't he for most of it and, uh, and and come through the game, so it's heroes like that that, that get you uh, that get you through in these these big finals. And yeah, Wigan just show what a champion team they are to win the Challenge Cup for the twentieth time.
0: Mm. There was also another cup final at Tottenham. Um, it was Lee the Featherstone Lee in the eighteen ninety five Cup were victorious. They beat Featherstone thirty points to sixteen. Uh, Paul, great uh, victory for Lee.
2: Yeah, it was Chris who um, did some good things in that game as well. If you've not seen the highlights, well worth watching. And there are quite a few other Exhaleford players, uh, you know, that played over the weekend. Really, if you look at the uh, the, the four sides that play you know, Featherstone and uh, Craig Kopchak there, and you know, Lee had a, had a few Exhale players, Chris Ninnu being one of them. So uh, that that was a game where Featherstone were probably the slight favourites to win that. You know, they've uh, brushed everybody aside so far this season in the in the championship, and Lee not been far behind them though. They've uh, been competing really well. I know Featherstone won the league fixture between the two, but Lee Centurions, I wouldn't say they were convincing winners, they run away with it, but, you know, quite a convincing scoreline in the end. There was a bit of daylight between the two teams and I think that sets a marker now for the rest of the season that Lee aren't going to be a pushover and they're going to challenge Featherstone Rovers all the way. So, uh, it was good, I suppose, in a way for the, the northwest of the country to have two sides. You know, we're only five miles apart, Lee and Wigan, both uh, both winning in, in, in two finals.
0: Yeah, both finals were held at Tottenham Stadium instead of Wembley. Uh, Paul, do you think it's a good move? Do you think the RFL should uh, try and uh, do that again next year or do you reckon they should go back to Wembley?
2: As a traditionalist, Robert, I prefer Wembley. Uh, not not that I'm saying Tottenham's a, a poor stadium. I think it's a great stadium, a great facility. But I think if you're just being traditional in the, the history of the Challenge Cup, you know, Wembley's the the place where it, where Challenge Cup dreams are made, aren't they? And We've had so many great finals. So I think if you're a supporter of maybe Wigan, St. Ellens or Leeds or whatever, you're probably not fussed where the finals played because you've been to that many finals. But I think if you're a supporter of maybe a Wakefield or a Salford or a team that's not been there for a long time, Time, uh, to the to the final, you want to, uh, to to go to Wembley, don't you? I think that's what you dream of as a kid growing up, don't you? Like walking out of Wembley and your team coming out of Wembley. So uh, for the traditionalists, I think it, it, it'd be nice to see it back at Wembley.
0: Yeah, uh, let's talk about. Uh, South Devils now, and South Devils ladies were in action this weekend. They played Alton Redettes uh, away from home and went down to their first league defeat of the season. They were beating 26 points to 12, Paul. They were 12 points to 10 up at halftime, tries from Steph Gray and Demi Jones. But unfortunately, Chris Bates ladies went down to defeat after a strong second half from Alton.
2: Yeah, I think it's inevitable in sport, isn't it, you're going to lose, you're not going to win you know, every week and, and runs come to an end, don't they, in all sports and perhaps that now is something for the, for the ladies to, to build on, you know, they, they've got their monkey off the bat now, they've had a defeat and, you know, maybe a bit of a, not a kick, not a kick up the backside, so that's the wrong word to use, but, you know, a bit of a, a bit you know, bringing to, to, to ground, grounding you sort of thing and making you work harder. So, sometimes that's what you need, don't you? All, all sides need that. I mean, St. Helens this season went to, to, to lose the, the men's side, didn't they? And got beaten, and were brought down to earth. And, you know, come back stronger from it. And that's what you, you want teams to do. So, uh, don't forget, it's our first season, you know, playing together. And they've done tremendously well. One defeat, just a bump in the road. And, you know, you've got to dust yourself off and, and, and put things right, haven't you, next week? And I'm sure they will do.
0: Yeah, they've got two weeks off, Paul. The, the next game is Stanley, uh, Stanley at home, opportunity to bounce back. Yeah, of course it is.
2: As I said before, you you, you take the rough with the smooth, don't you? They've still got a massive opportunity this season in in cup competition and in the league as well. So yeah, a nice two-week break now, put things right, get back into training, get your plan ready for uh, the next game against Stanley.
0: Yeah. Uh, the men's team didn't have a, a game this week because of the Challenge Cup. Uh, but this week, they're away at Hulkingston Hawkingston Rovers. Hawkingston Rovers are in a bit of free fall at the moment after coach Tony Smith announced his departure. Um, not really won a game since. Seems a bit of unrest in the camp as well. So, opportunity for Paul Rowles may take advantage of that.
2: There certainly is, yeah. I mean, they've lost four on the bounce, I think, in the league. In two of those games, they were nil, weren't they, at Leeds mm-hmm. and Castleford? Uh, and they were com- beaten convincingly in the Challenge Cup semi-final against Huddersfield. So, yeah since Tony Smith's announced he's leaving at the end of the season, they, they've, they've they've been really poor. So, and I think they've they've got quite a few injuries, Hulk as well at the moment. I mean, I know Salford have had a lot of injuries, but Hulk KR have got a few players out. So, uh, this this is a massive opportunity for Salford. I mean, we've not got to worry about Hull KR. We've got to go there and do our bit. You know, we showed against Castleford and Leeds that we've got some quality players. I mean, you look at the three-quarter line at the moment: Tim LaFay, Joe Burgess playing really well, Brodie Crafton, and Matt a half back, you've got Ken Seo and Dean Cross on the other side. The pack's playing really well, so we've got to take that that confidence from the, the leads and the cast wins and make it three from three. And if we can do that, you know, we're teetering around the brink of the playoffs. We're only two points behind the playoffs at the moment, as the way things stand. So, uh, you know, a real good push now to the end of the season, and who knows where we can end up.
0: Do you think playoffs are a credible opportunity for Salford?
2: Yeah, two points off, Rob. It's one win, so, um, so so, why not? I think there's a whole cluster of clubs now that are um, in the ascendancy and around that area. It's about being consistent now for the rest of the season, I and mean, we've got some tough games. You know, We've got the Magic Weekend that will be coming up soon. We've got Huddersfield to play there, so, so there's, there's going to be no easy games. You've, you've got to be consistent and, and win matches, and yeah, there'll be a little bit of luck in there as well. We've got to keep the squad fit, and you don't want to lose people to injuries, but if you can keep that momentum that we've built over the last couple of weeks going... By going away from them and winning at Hulkingston Rovers, we're not, you know, they're not the Hulkingston Rovers of 1980 either. They're not the super champions that they were then. They're a, they're a beatable side, but we've got to be consistent and go there and do the business. So, uh, so yeah, that's going to be the test. But I don't think it's beyond our uh, beyond the realms of possibility, Rob. I think we can do it, but uh, there's a lot, a lot of hard work to be done to get there.
0: Yeah, other big news as well from the week. Uh, Sebastian Gerard, a local uh, businessman, um, has put his interest in to purchase the AJ Bell Stadium and invest in the Solway Devils club. Um, Paul King announced on Twitter he's back's the bid. He's been a he's been a great uh, managing director of Solway Red Devils uh, in the last few years, so giving the vote of confidence to Sebastian Gerard to take over is massive
2: yeah that's right I suppose it'd be nice if we could um, perhaps, perhaps hear from Sebastian Gerrard you know if the club could interview him I don't know how that works or they could just find out what his intentions are and uh, make it public really because we've heard a lot of things and there's the stories uh, bounding about so it'd be nice to get some clarity on it and a bit of uh, you know a bit of background and just see, just see what, 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 what he's after so um, yeah any help that you can get you know it'd be amazing and if we could get somebody to, to buy the stadium and invest in the club that's what you're after because you know, we speak about it all the time. We solve it, not really got, a, we haven't got a benefactor, have we? A lot of other clubs have, and you know, you're playing behind um, be, behind the eight ball, aren't you? Really trying to compete with them. So anything would be a great help to solve. We're not awash with money, and if we could have somebody to to help us out financially, and it'd be absolutely amazing. So it's a, it's an exciting storyline that, and one we'll have to we'll have to follow closely.
0: Yeah, it was obviously uh, John Wilkinson. You know, great chairman over the years. Mao and Q cash in and out. And then you've got Paul King, who steadied the ship. uh, And now, obviously, Sebastian Gerrard, who who might be the the next one. It'll be interesting to see how, how he compares to the other ones.
2: Yeah, he will be. I, I'd like to see Paul King stay involved, with itself, for whatever happens. I think Paul's uh, really has steadied the ship after some rocky years, hasn't he? And uh, you know, he's a supporter as well, who's he, followed the club for a long time. And that—that's what you want your your owner and your chairman and your people at the top to be. You want them to be custodians who look after the club and nurture the club and uh, and, and have the club at heart. So as long as we've got somebody like that steering the ship and helping out, looking over it, I think it will be okay.
0: Yeah, the upcoming Wigan game, the club have announced special offer for army personnel to come and watch the game. It's great, obviously, we're uh, trying to attract these uh, heroes who put their lives on the line uh, week in, week out, day in, day out for our safety, both here and abroad.
2: Yeah, definitely, Rob. That's a, that's a good thing. that I thought when you you mentioned that fixture, then we were going to say it's been moved again because <laughs> they said to, this time of year, the fixture started to get moved around for television and things like that. But no, that's another massive game for us against Wigan and it uh, would be great to see uh, see as many down there as we can at that game. And uh, I think it's great that we look after our personnel like that.
0: Yeah. Um, let's talk uh, Swinton Lions now. Uh, they've had a week off uh, this week because of the Challenge Cup. Obviously, Alan Coleman's men, Finding a bit of rhythm now in in the league. Obviously, after a, a couple of defeats early on, they've, they've won a couple of games, and it's kind of important. Obviously, they build on that. They've got they got relegated into this division uh, last season, and they are among the favourites to get promoted. So it's about sort of making sure that they stay with the pack uh, and uh, make that impression coming up to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. It's not all about first past the post in rugby league anymore, is it? Now in these divisions, it's about you know being being there or thereabouts at the end of the season, coming with a good run and, and making your mark in the playoffs, isn't it? But you've got to stay among that pack and get into the playoffs. And in that league that Swinton are in at the moment, that League One, there's an awful lot of teams in there who are, who have got ability and and, and a, you know it's quite an even league. It's going to be tough to to call it this season, and it's a challenge every week, isn't it? So you've got to make sure you're consistent against the teams around you and then challenge the teams that are above you as well so I know Swinton had a couple of blips didn't they but uh, like you said they've had a couple of good wins and they're starting to to settle down in that league now and and look a force which is good
0: Mm. yeah um, it is interesting to to see obviously they've got uh, Oldham uh, this week away at local derby Um, and obviously you know full of passion full of fire it's going to be certainly exciting
2: Yeah, they've been meeting the former coach as well, won't they, Stuart Little, so uh, that's another uh, conundrum to throw in there, but Oldham were were disappointing, last week they got well beaten against London Scholars, didn't they? In a, in a game where they were fancied to win, you know that was a game where people had Oldham down to win that game when they were, uh, yeah, they were well beaten. So that was a disappointment for for Oldham there. And they they've been in and out this season and quite quite patchy with their form and been disappointing. So so wouldn't they have their eyes on that game? And I think they'll be favourites to go and win it. And it's up to them to go and come home with the goods.
0: Yeah, we we talk about obviously Salford Devils' uh, action in the community through the uh, Salford Devils Foundation, but Swinton have been busy as well. They visited uh, Folly Lane uh, this week uh, to, to talk to the youngsters and, and train them there. And it's great because Folly Lane is a you know a very traditional Swinton club and it's great links uh, with them through the players that play for both. So it's fantastic that the Lions are uh, you know linked up there with them.
2: Yeah, yeah, Swinton. Swinton's like feeder club has always been Folly Lane. Really, um, I know people who, who work at Folly Common Sports South, but it's Swinton as well, definitely. And you know they need to work in the in the community there, and you know to have to have a community club like that and a junior club you know, to, to, to feed off really is is, is great. And uh, the more, the, the, we, we say it all the time, don't we, about clubs in the local area, the more that Salford and Swinton work with these clubs, the better. You know, you've, you've got to support your grassroots and, and, your, and your, your, your kids that are playing the game and and they'll come and support you. You've got to support them ultimately. And, uh, you know, that's great for, for those those people around there to have Swinton come into their training sessions and working with them because, uh, you, know, but, you know, youngsters growing up, they, they idolise these players, don't they?
0: Yeah, and with 80 seconds to go, Paul, they've got a young Lions development programme for under 12s, under 14s on the 30th of May. Uh, it's obviously exciting times for any Lions fan.
2: Yeah, certainly, as we know, Swinton Lions do an awful lot in their community, don't they? And, um, you know, they've got uh, really good community links in Swinton and a lot of good people working there. And uh, that's another good programme to, to get involved with. So, you know, a lot of positive stuff coming out of both Salford and Swinton. And uh, they, both clubs have got a massive sort of second half of the season to look forward to you now and it should be really, really exciting.
0: Yeah, 50 seconds to go. It's at the AJ Bell Stadium and they've also got agreed a new sponsor uh, with HD Solicitors. so it's great they're getting uh, local companies involved in the club.
2: It certainly is as we say before all the money that comes to the, the, the clubs is massive and sponsorship is it is big, isn't it? And uh, you know Swinton, like I said, getting good uh, good sponsors there. That's good for them, and we wish them all the best on the Sports Zone for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, you know we're covering both Salford and the Swinton. It's super exciting. Don't forget, you can get your tickets for the game. Go visit the club's website uh, and purchase them there. Big thanks for tuning in to the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Brad You can find us on Sports Zone on a Tuesday and a Thursday on your local station, Salford City Radio. Big thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat.